Amen. John chapter number 3 tonight. I'm going to talk to you from my heart. I'm really probably not going to preach at all tonight, but I'm going to give you some things that you need and that I need tonight. John chapter 3, verse number 8, the Word of God says, The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now I want you to listen very carefully tonight. I realize folks are sick, got colds, there's all kinds of distractions, but you need to hear what I'm saying. The Scripture said the wind bloweth where it listeth. The wind in this verse of Scripture is speaking of the wind of the Holy Ghost of God. The word listeth means where He wants to. Where he desires to move. We don't tell God what to do or when to do it. I've learned even in this ministry that I can pray for souls and carry a burden for individuals. But I cannot tell God who to save. And I cannot tell God when to save them. I don't think we understand the seriousness of what we're dealing with. You men meet before service in the evenings and go downstairs and pray. But I'm not sure we realize the gravity of what we're doing even in doing that. Folks haphazardly come to church. They'll stand in front of a television to the last minute. They'll listen to some foolishness on the radio all the way into the parking lot. And never come into the house of God in a spirit of prayer and reverence. And really never have any understanding of how serious the things that we're dealing with are. I want you to understand tonight that we're dealing with holy things. I want you to understand tonight that we're dealing with eternal things. If you go out tonight and you fumble around in your automobile, your 20 or 30 or 40 or $50,000 automobile, and you put a big scratch down the side of it, pulling out of the parking lot, that's hurtful, but that ain't eternal. You'll get over it. But what we're dealing with in this building is eternal things. We're dealing with the eternal souls of men and women and boys and girls that walk through those doors that are one step away from eternity in hell, that need help that only a holy God could give them. And God resides in the hearts of His people. And if His people's hearts are not right, there's some foolishness in our hearts and some foolish way in us. We may very well be the key that stays and locks the door and keeps some man or woman from getting what they need. You better listen tonight. This ain't going to be swinging from the chandeliers. We need to understand how serious this is. When God the sweet Holy Ghost sees fit to come by and meet with us, it is very precious. When God comes by and deals with a soul, that's very precious. I'm going to make a left-hand turn. You can be working your way back to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 13 First of all tonight, and I'm going to look at a couple of things, but I want you to understand this. There are people and there are situations that are a mystery to me. I see people that sit in church literally unmoved by the Spirit of God. I see people sit literally unmoved by the preaching of the Word of God. I see people that say outwardly 
and verbally they say I'm saved. But I never see a burden on them. I never see them moved by the Holy Ghost of God. I never see them touched in the service. It always bothers me when I see people who are never touched in a service. Now, first of all, I don't believe for a minute them folks are saved. I just don't believe that. You may, I don't. But tonight, I believe there are some people that would be honest and say, Brother Mike, I don't believe the Spirit of God has ever drawn me to an altar. If you're in that position tonight and you know and you realize that in honesty and simplicity from the bottom of your heart, God's never spoke to you. God's never drawn you. Then I'm not talking to you. And I believe that is a mystery that I often see that I don't understand that there are some people that it's like God goes for a long time and he never speaks to them. I mean, he don't draw them. He don't do anything to them. And someday, just out of the blue, like a bolt of lightning, God will shake their world. And they may or may not get saved. But that's not what I'm talking about tonight. Now, I'm telling you tonight, what we're dealing with is serious. And God, the sweet Holy Ghost, can deal with you and deal with you. And God can do that as often as he likes to. He's God. But he may never deal with you but one time. And one time's plenty. I want you to look at what the Word of God says in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse number 5. The Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel. I'm in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse number 5. The Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots. 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and pitched in Michmash, eastward from Beth-Avon. And the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed. Then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. And as for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal. And all the people followed him trembling. Now the picture is that the armies of the Philistines are gathering and they are greatly outnumbering the children of Israel. The children of Israel don't even have substantial weapons to fight with. Uh, Saul and his son Jonathan are the only men that even have swords. And they're afraid. They're scared to death. They don't know what to do. When you get to verse 8, He tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. If you were to back up into chapter 10 and verse number 8, you'll see that Samuel gave Saul explicit instructions to wait for seven days until I come and I'll do the sacrifice when I get there. He heard from God. This is not... a a situation where Saul didn't understand the instructions. This was not a situation where Saul misunderstood what to do. This was a situation where Saul very well knew what God's instructions for him were. Now listen, now verse number 8, tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed, but Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering and it came to pass as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. 
And Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. Now you notice what takes place here. Immediately pursuant to Saul doing something that Saul was not authorized to do. Saul was doing something he was not anointed to do. He had no authority to do it. And immediately, as soon as it was over with, the man of God, Samuel, showed up on the scene. One moment, just a single moment in time, made all of the difference in the whole world. And you see that Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw the people were scattered from me, and thou camest not within the days appointed, that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore I said, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. Now, I I don't think we grasp tonight and understand the severity of Saul doing this thing that Saul was not anointed to do. There are certain things that God has ordained that certain people do and nobody else has a right to touch that. Nobody else has a right to put their hands on that. Let me just, let me just entreat you as little children tonight as your pastor inside the walls of the fundamental independent Bible believing Baptist church. There is one man in authority in a church that has the authority to make decisions that govern that church. One and only one. That's your pastor, not a deacon, not a Sunday school teacher, not one other man inside a Baptist church has the authority to make one decision concerning one thing, not one. There ain't but one man in this building that'll ever stand before God accountable unto God for what takes place in this building and you are looking at him. I will stand before God one day and give an account for every prayer that's been prayed in this building. I will stand and give an account to God one day for every song that's been sung in this building. I'm telling you, I am the one that will bear that responsibility. And God does not believe in taxation without representation. And what that literally means is when God sets a man apart to do a job, God gives that man authority to do that job, and God will take care of that situation and that man. Now, when you look at this, Saul has stepped out of bounds and got into territory where he does not belong in. Saul is trying to do something without the power and anointing of the Holy Ghost of God. But I see lost people, service after service, come in and try to worship and try to do something in the name of God and no power, no authority, no anointing of God on their life to do that. And you see, Saul tries to do something godly without God. Now watch what happens. Verse number 13, Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. 
Saul knew exactly what God wanted him to do. He knew exactly what the orders from headquarters was. He had instructions what to do, and he failed to do what God told him to do. And now you see the kingdom being rent from him. You follow the story for a few chapters over into 1 Samuel chapter number 15. Verse number 1, Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou to the voice of the words of the Lord. He's giving him explicit instructions what to do. He's telling, I'm telling you that God's man gets orders from headquarters and knows what's supposed to be done, when it's supposed to be done, who's supposed to be doing it. And now when you get to this verse of Scripture, it says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that when Amalek did to Israel, and how he laid wait for him in the way, and when he came up from Egypt, now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Spare them not, but slay both man and woman and infant and suckling and ox and sheep and camel and ass. And he gave him instructions to wipe out the whole mess. When you get down to verse number 8, he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlings, the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I've set Saul to be king, for he's turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. You see, Samuel understood the ramification, what was about to take place here. God was about to remove his spirit from off of Saul. God was about to remove the anointing of God from off of Saul. If you don't believe it tonight, you can just believe it that what we're dealing with is serious and what goes on in this building is serious and God's not a fool and He's not going to fool around with you or with me or with anybody else playing silly little religious games with the holy things of God and you can fool around and mess around and there will come a day God will take His hand off a man or woman. I believe with all my heart there's individuals that have sat in this building today that in days gone by, God has let me pray for with a burden and I've watched them and I've seen them and I've seen their dough in headlights look and God the Holy Ghost will not allow me to pray for them and I'm scared to death tonight. There are people that sit in this building on a regular basis that are as good as in hell and God will not speak to them. I believe that. I believe tonight God took his hand off of Saul while Saul would not hearken to the voice of the Lord. And when God took his hand off of Saul, he put it on David. And I believe I've seen little individuals in this building and God would speak to a man or God would speak to a woman and in their stubborn pride, they'd hold back and say, no, God, I won't go. And literally God would take his hand off them and put it on somebody else and they'd get saved. I've seen it with my own eyes. I know that. I'm not asking permission. I'm telling you I've seen it happen. Samuel was grieved. And he rose early to meet Saul in the morning. It was told Samuel saying, Saul came to Carmel. Behold, he set him up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. 
Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou the Lord. I performed the commandment of the Lord, that liar. He said, I did exactly what God told me to do. That's what some of y'all say every Sunday. You raise up your hand and say, I'm saved. Praise God, I'm saved. He said, I've done what God told me to do. He's lying. Samuel was about to call him on it. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? God's man wasn't fooled for a minute. Verse number 15, And Saul said, They've brought them from the Amalekites, for the people inspired the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest have utterly destroyed. Samuel said unto Saul, Stay. That means be still and be quiet. And I'll tell you what the Lord had said to me this night. A lot of folks' problem is they won't be quiet long enough to hear from God. And the Word of God said in verse number 17, Samuel said, When thou was little in thine own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. He got up in the man of God's face and said, Don't you understand I'm all right? He wasn't all right. God's ringing his bell and right in the face of the truth, right in the face of a holy God and the truth that God's given the man of God, he says, I'm okay. Hey, don't worry about me. What, what's you so upset for, Samuel? Gone the way the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, the sheep, and the ox, and the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. He said, What we've done is religious. What we've done is wonderful good deeds. We're so righteous that we wanted to give God an offering, and that's what we're doing. Can't you see how good we are, Samuel? What in the world's wrong with you? What are you so uptight about? Can't you see? We brought God an offering. God didn't want no offering. God wanted him to kill every one of them Amalekites. And that's what he told him. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord so great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Now you see a man that God had set apart to be the king over the nation of Israel. You talk about a sad story, Brother Wesley. There are preachers all over America tonight that at one point and at one time had the hand of God on their life to rear back and preach and lay their ears back in the anointing of God and God would bless them and fill them and use them and they disobeyed God and God literally took His hand off them. They can't hear the voice of God. They get no message from God. They can't tune in God and they're like madmen running to and fro trying to do something in the name of God. But tonight, sinners, when they reject the wooing of the Holy Spirit of God, God can remove that 
wooing of the Holy Spirit and put it on somebody else. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. Well, he finally got honest. Verse 24, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. There's going to be a whole lot of people that are going to wind up in hell because they're afraid of what people are going to think. They're afraid of what... Hey, listen. Tonight, I cannot even imagine somebody screaming in the pits of the damned for eternity because they were afraid of what somebody thinks. But the world's full of them. Baptist churches are full of them. They'll sit on their seats and they'll say, what would, what would my mama think? My mama's going to be so disappointed in me. My daddy would be so disappointed in me. Oh, my soul, my preacher would be so disappointed. My Sunday school teacher that, that supposedly led me to God, they're going to be crushed. I can't go forward. I can't deal with this. I can't do anything about this. And God speaks in a clear, still, small voice and says, you're lost. And men push back and say, no, I can't, I, God, I can't deal with this. God, please, not me. I, I, there ain't no way, God, I can deal with it. They pray all kinds of little prayers. And folks will even get alone in their bedroom the way my wife did. Folks will even get alone sometimes in their automobile and they'll try to just pray that quick prayer, God save me. God, if I ain't saved, save me. And never really come to verse 24 saying I've sinned. Never really come to that place of saying I'm a sinner. I'm lost and I need help. Now the Word of God said, verse 25, Now therefore I pray thee pardon my sin. Turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. He said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, preacher. Can you fix this? I'm sorry now. I realize I was wrong now, preacher. Will you fix it? And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee. For thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Literally, when you see this take place, when Saul realized the severity, God's through dealing with me. God's through with me. God's going to set me aside. God's not going to speak to me. God's not going to deal with me. God's not going to work with me. And when he saw the severity of that, the man of God started to turn and walk away. And Saul reached out and grabbed his coat and ripped it to try to hold him back, to try to grasp onto something when he realized how foolish he was and he realized what he had done and he realized what a terrible, tragic mistake he had made and he grabbed the mantle of the man of God and tore it in two. And the man of God turned around and said, that's what God's done to you. He's rent the kingdom out of your hand today. Today, God, the sweet Holy Spirit may or may not be dealing with you. I don't know. But I know there's folks all over this building this morning that God spoke to their hearts. God dealt with them and God drew on you and God loved on you. Now if God's not spoken to you, I ain't talking to you tonight. If God's not rung your bell, I'm not talking to you tonight. I'm talking to people who know. 
I'm talking to people like Saul who realized what the man of God said was to him and for him and he had explicit instructions and he should have obeyed what God said to That's the ones I'm talking to. I'm talking to people who God has spoke to you, every individual that's been saved in this building or adjacent to this building in the last year has said, Brother Mike, God's been dealing with me for a while. I remember precious Miss Heather testifying that God was dealing with her and she decided she was going to come to church one Sunday and get saved and came in that Sunday and God didn't deal with her that day. And she said, oh no, have I already missed my chance. Ain't that right? I'm going to tell you what, from the, from the first time I made a false profession to the night I got saved for 13 years, God the Holy Ghost didn't deal with me not one time. He didn't speak to me. Hello, goodbye, nothing. And the Word of God said in John chapter 3, verse 8, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh. That means you don't know where it comes from, and canst not tell whether it goeth. You don't know where he's went when God comes around. You know whether he's there or not, but when he's gone, you don't know where he's at. And if you don't know where he's at, you can't find him. And the Word of God teaches that God took the anointing away from Saul and gave it to a neighbor that was more righteous than him. What a tragedy for a man or for a woman to come into this building. God to sovereignly allow you to be part of what's going on here in the last year. God to speak to you and God to deal with you. And for whatever reason in your heart you say no, No, I'm not going to deal with this. No, sir, not me. I'm not going to deal with this. Until one day, God the Holy Ghost says, Fine, we're not going to deal with it. He walks away. And once God's walked away, once God has turned His back on a man, I say this reverently tonight, the morning, Alan, that my precious daddy died over there in the hospital, I stood there with those doctors and those nurses, there was two different teams of ambulance drivers that stood, and we watched my precious daddy take his last breath. And when my daddy took his last breath, Brother Brandon, every one of those ambulance drivers and those doctors walked out of that room and sat down and started working on a computer, closed the curtain, and left us alone. Brother Doug, that's what doctors do with dead men. They leave them alone. And there comes a day and there comes an hour when God pronounces judgment on a man or a woman that's rejected the Holy Spirit of God so long, has spit in the face of God and played with holy things, come in church and act like everything's all right when everything ain't all right. God knows it ain't all right. People's got burdens to pray because they know it ain't all right. And one day God just gets through and says, okay, I'm gone. Miss Drusilla, when God turns his back and walks out on a man or a woman, there ain't no getting him back. Saul grabbed a hold of the mantle of the man of God, but he could not make him do anything. You'll not force the Holy Ghost of God to do anything. And my heart breaks and my heart has broken all evening because I know as much as I know anything in this world, there are folks inside of these walls tonight that God the Holy Ghost has dealt with you and you are ashamed. You're ashamed to obey God. You're ashamed. There'll come a day when He'll be ashamed of you. I've done my best tonight. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be ugly. I've talked to you from my heart tonight because there's folks that need help. 
There's people here that love you and that care about you, and there'll never be a time and there'll never be a place that it'd be any easier to get help from God than being around people who care. I'm going to tell you what, church. God can just as easily remove the anointing He's put here as He put it here. It can go away if we don't treat it right. If we don't treat Him right, God ain't interested in our plans. God's not interested in what we think. Our opinions don't mean doodly squat to God, not nothing. God's interested in our obedience. God's interested in us finding out what this book says and doing what God's principles say and what God's book says, apart from any of our opinions. I've got opinions, Brother Larry, about everything that goes on in this building. Some of them are right. Some of them may be questionable. I've got opinions about all of them. But I'm not the least bit interested in operating the church tonight by my opinions. I want to know what this book says. Tonight, if God's not spoke to you, if God's not dealt with you, you're fine. You're safe. But if you're here tonight and God spoke to you and you've rejected Him, and you've said no obstinate, arrogantly said no, God no. Not now, not here, not tonight, not today. God, no, maybe some other time. Lord, I'll deal with this later. God, would you let me deal with this at home? Lord, I'll deal with it. God, not here, not now. And you push away. Grieve the Holy Ghost of God off. Say no to God. There'll come a day God will take His drawing power off you. And He'll reach over to somebody down the pew from you and put it on them.